Rodney Eade was a player or coach at AFL level for a total of 636 games. Fewer than 15 men have had a longer involvement in more than 120 years. He is best known as an innovative, animated coach at three clubs. What tends to be overlooked is a stellar playing career that produced four premierships at Hawthorne. Welcome, Rocket. Michael, how are you? Now, four flags as a player, four top four finishes as a coach, but knowing how much you love coaching, which pursuit gave you the greatest pleasure? I think overall coaching, uh, because you like, uh, I suppose, having an impact on players and improving, uh, improving them. Uh, but really, having premierships, uh, we can enjoy that with your mates. I think having success as a coach can be quite lonely still because you, you win one game and you're thinking about next, next week already, whereas a, as a player you can celebrate that success. You played in the Premiership in your first year. Came I did, across yeah. from Tasmania in 1976. 76, the yeah. start of 76. Went yeah. to school here in Melbourne. Uh, did my HSC as I yeah. was in those days. And did you pass? I did get through, Michael, yes, fortunately. <laughs> and uh, my ninth game was the, was the grand final. Wow. So I was very lucky to be at the right place at the right time because there was, there was a few players who'd played on the wing earlier in the year, Stuart Trot and Peter Manane. Peter Manane's first game was best on ground against St Kilda and then his form tapered off and some other players got their chance and fortunately about round 16 I got a, an opportunity. Do you ever appreciate when it's happening that Hawthorne had been 50 years winning two premierships and you won four in 11 years? Yeah, it's quite, uh, you know, because you know, I'm a bit of a historian of the game and as a youngster growing up, you follow the VFL it was in those days and you knew that Collingwood, who I supported, had the most premierships and you knew Essendon and Carlton were thereabouts and Hawthorne were down near the bottom of the table. Now you look at it, especially the you know, success over the last few years, that, uh, that they're near the top, so you know, they're obviously one of the powerhouses. Why did you go to Hawthorne? They're the only team that spoke to me. Is that true? Yes. Um, at that stage, I was just happy to try my luck. I'm interested in the contrast. I've known you a long time. Now, my view of you as a footballer, you were highly skilled, neat, efficient, unflappable. You weren't any of those things in the coach's box. I used to think uh, more clearly, if that's the right phrase, when I was, uh, I suppose, high energy um, in the box. The trick was not to take that to the players, um, which sometimes it did bubble over, but most of the time it didn't. So that was just in the box. So I probably had to learn over a period of time not to affect the people that were in the box. Are you sensitive about that public image of you as the coach? Um, you know, with sort of the animation? I, I certainly don't mind the animation as such, uh, people actually recognising that. But it's, I think, more, not annoyance, but the fact that that's the only thing, um, or the main thing. Um, we're having a reunion with the Bulldogs players every, every year, preliminary final weekend, and Rob Murphy said to me, he said, I think you're a bit hard done by. He said, I was on radio the other day and people were talking about that, about giving someone a spray, which I find funny to a degree, and so do the players. You know, I still get texts from them about it. But, um, but that was a very small part of it. It was more about the education and making players better. We'll stay with your playing career for a while. Um, 1986 must have been particularly gratifying to you to win the Premiership, given the events of the previous 12 months? Yeah, I, I think I was one of those players that worked hard earlier then probably got a little bit comfortable to a, mm -hmm. I think, to a degree. You know, had success and played in a few flags. And uh, now as a coach, you look back and you think, well, you need to be improving all the time. And um, in the middle of 80, uh, 85, you know, we had the, had the rivalry with Essendon. And then preliminary final day, I played quite well and got votes in the media, votes in the best and fairest, and got dropped for the grand final. I wasn't dropped so much on form. Jeansy told you? 
Yeah, which which no, no, they had a good relationship with Alan. He you loved him, didn't he? he? Was a, I don't think I was one of his boys as the as the other guys. You know, the judge and heirs and these sort of blokes. But I still had a good relationship with him. Um, but one thing I was disappointed. One was being dropped, but I'm, I think that happens. But we went to the grand final parade because I'd played very well. Um, and then we went back to Hawthorne for a team meeting. I still wasn't told. I was told just before going to the meeting. So this was Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, 3.30. My parents are on a plane on the way over from Tassie. So that part was disappointing. So who did tell you? Jeansy told me. Mm. And how did he catch it? Uh, just, he said, we're not going with you. He didn't really give a reason. He said, we just think that's the best option for the day. But given what you'd done seven days earlier... Perhaps he was smart enough, he knew when to tell me it was just going to too many of those other players around. It was not appropriate to have an argument or have a debate about the whys and wherefores and the reasons for it. So uh, he did say to me that you can go home if you want to or you want to come to the team meeting. So I went to the team meeting, probably shouldn't have, but I did because when you grow up, and, and my father was like it, but certainly Hawthorne under, under John Kennedy and David Park and, that the, and, it, and it always stuck in my mind what John Kennedy said, the team comes first, second mm-hmm. and third. Mm. So I was very team orientated uh, in my aspect. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just do what's best for the side. But I went, went through a whole range of emotions after that. 86, you're back in the team. You're playing the grand final. Yes. Playing. You had an unusual role that day. Yeah, well, even before that, I didn't get picked for the first final. And uh, Carlton beat Hawthorne. Walsey had a few tricks and matchups. Uh, then I got back in the preliminary final, played Fitzroy and played on McConnell, who had had a reasonable record on. And then played in the grand final. I played half-back, uh, Fitzroy. And that was actually to run with Craig Bradley. So I think after the second semi, Jeansy um, just wanted to go man on man. You had an opponent for the day and that's who you're stuck with. How many stats did uh, Bradles end up with? <laughs> I think it was eight or nine. You I know what it is. You told me. <laughs> <laughs> you're fibbing again, Michael. So what did he have, nine, did he? Uh, I think, yeah, eight or nine. It's probably the only game in his career where he hasn't had double figures. He might have been carrying an injury, I'm not too oh, sure. Oh, good on you. you. How many finals do you reckon you played in the Hawthorne? Uh, I think it's 24. Correct. Mm. And one? Uh, I, I, I don't know. 16? 18. 18. I mean, it, as good as you were, and you had great players around you, you can be blessed, can't you? You can be at a place at the right time. Oh, there's no doubt about that. So I was very lucky, and always say I'm very lucky to go to a very good footy club. You went to Brisbane for three years as a player. Yes. Did you leave Hawthorne on bad terms? Uh, you'd been dropped a couple of times in the 87 final series I'd, I'd missed and I thought I should have been in again. You think, well, this is where it's headed. Um, uh, so I waited up and thought, well, I want to play senior footy. Um, we're probably, in hindsight, it was a bad football decision. It was ended it? up being a good career decision, yep. uh, but it was, a, it was a bad football decision. Why? What was the alternative? Well, to stay at Hawthorne, um, they played the next... They won the next two premierships. Not saying I would have been in, but uh, maybe it was a chance. Um, mm. So from a football point of view, I don't think it was the right decision to make. You saw the Brisbane Bears in their very early stages. Historically, we now sort of say that they were just thrown up there by the AFL, had no real chance to succeed early. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think starting any side, it's always going to be difficult. As the Suns, I mean, the Giants have done okay, but their, their first few years were difficult. It's just you need some sort of talent. And I think the way it was set up initially was really difficult. It was like patchwork thrown together mm. and not too sure but having been involved it seemed like there wasn't a lot of support from you know from VFL House as far as trying to get it right it was because uh, I think then the the cartel of the stronger clubs probably controlled a lot as well mm. and didn't want and that that's fine but I don't think enough homework was done 
You got a farewell game up there, did you not? Normally, Dare was coach. Um, so he gave me the last game of the season. We played the Bulldogs out at Whitten Oval. Was it a traditional farewell game? or oh, We weren't a big club to have the traditional No, no, I know that, but I was going to ask whether it was a hollow feeling to have done so much at Hawthorne. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. Um, no, no, I just knew that was where it was at. I got a lot of well wishes and... Um, and telegrams in those days as well as a telegram. <laughs> Boy knocking on the door. Pigeon carrier. Normie Dare had some significant influence on your He career, did, Norm, he? yeah, because Norm was, uh, was coach um, as a senior coach and then he, only for the one year, then Robert Walls and he knew Walsey um, and then I became uh, second coach under Robert. I oh, no, they coached the previous year under Norm and, and then I was the second coach and Norm was an assistant coach and... And he used to help me in the seconds games. And I, I suppose I always thought I was a, a tactical type of mm. guy. I saw the mm. game. But Norm had been coached for a long time at different levels and just saw the game completely different and just be able to learn off What him. does that mean? Oh, just uh, where players should be running patterns, who should lead to where, where you just saw footy, I think, through one lens. I yep. think you see... I think when you spend your time just at one club, you see it, especially if it's successful, it's just through one lens. And... Mm-hmm. I think if anybody's going to coach, I think I'd uh, advise them is to try and be involved with as many clubs as you can. You, you won a reserves premiership at Brisbane? Yeah, 91. And then went to North? The Shinboners, yeah. Yeah. yeah for, there for four years. I really enjoyed my time at North. It was a fantastic footy club. And won another premiership there in the seconds? 95, Alistair Clarkson was captain. So at what point... Adam Simpson played. At what point did you... Had you already decided then that you wanted to be a coach, that you had an aptitude for it? Um, it's interesting. I, I didn't really want to coach. Um, when I was at Hawthorne, a few of the players had mentioned, oh, you're, you're coach, and I tried to convince myself that I wouldn't be. So, And to my chagrin and regret, David Parkin, who was a fantastic coach, was the first one to introduce in retrospect and reviews and the copious amount of notes. I threw them out. I said, well, that convinces me. So, no, I'm not going to coach. And then uh, Norm sort of threw me into the job really at the seconds at the Bears. Um, that's the other thing Norm did when he was a coach, that it was either me or Choco Williams was going to coach. And, and I didn't want to do it. Uh, I didn't want to coach. And I think that those two years really uh, opened up a new um, window and then going to North. And I, was, I suppose it was towards the end of my time at North that I thought, oh, yeah, perhaps I'll have a go at this. You replaced Barras in Sydney, correct? I did, yeah, yeah. 96, yes. Yeah, and there'd been, they'd been a long period of languishing at the bottom of the table. Did you take, take them to um, the grand final? Was that in your first year? First year, yeah. yeah. I think the broad view was that you were there before your time and that North was clearly a better team. Do you share that view? Um, well, we beat them during the season. We had a tough preliminary final. Essendon, who we'd played the week before, I'd heard there were six players that wouldn't have played in the grand final. It was a really tough game. Craig O'Brien got his eye socket yep. smashed in the first... And at that stage, Luffy kicked a couple. Then Arch went to... Luffy. So there's a whole range of different things. I thought we needed to be in front by three, four goals at half-time. I thought we were sore. Um, but they got those last few just before half-time to pick it back. Had some interesting names under you uh, under your stewardship at Sydney. Did you have a prickly relationship with Adam Goods? I must admit I was, I, I was quite hard on Adam. Um, I, I tend to be harder on younger guys than older blokes. And I think with Adam, because he had so much talent and probably the basics of the game I was just trying to drill into him. That I was, you know, I was pretty constant on him about what it needed to be done. And I must admit, Adams thanked me um, personally Did, on that. Yeah? Yeah, and, but he wasn't and, always that uh, pleased with you, was he? 
Not that he told me, but probably not, because I, I was solid on him. I was, I, was, I was hard on him. Were you brave enough to challenge uh, the bloke at full forward, Anthony Lockett? <laughs> um, I, I must admit, I was, all, I was always wary of him. <laughs> Took you a lot. I probably had two times while I challenged him fairly aggressively. He responded uh, in a positive fashion. He didn't like it. Um, I feared for my life both times. So take us through... One of them was in the, the game which he kicked his 1,300. Yeah, that was, it ended up quite a funny story, actually. Um, he, um, that we're playing Collingwood, and he kicked his 1,300th, which was probably nearly his worst kick, it floated through, and we were six goals up at quarter time. At half time, we were equal. We'd, we'd relaxed. Um, so I called them at half time and gave them a bit of a cook. What's a bit of a cook mean? Just, it, it's more raising tempo rather than picking out any individuals. But I did say to Tony, what about you? You've put the bloody cue in the rack, have you? You've got your, you've got your record goal. Now you're just going home and steam's coming out of his ears and his this eyes. Is in, with the team together? The team in there. Yeah. yeah it's only, I've only done it once in front of the team and another time that I did uh, sort of away from the team singing the song. And um, so his eyes are rolling and I fear for my life at all. Hang on here. Anyway, he goes back out. He kicks 10. He kicked 10. He kicked 10. Mm. So he responded the right way and I spoke to him after the game because you always follow up and... And uh, he said, oh, I think you're right. He said, I, I, I did relax, but he, he said... And then after the game, there's a, there was a funny story about that, um, that he'd organised to do at the, at the King's Cross and uh, Jimmy Barnes came along and it was, you know, it was a good Jimmy night. Jimmy Barnes. Jimmy Barnes, yeah, the great yeah, Jimmy Barnes. Yeah. And, um, and Paul Kelly got up, because he was good mates with Kel, and uh, spoke about virtues of Tony and his career. Then he gave, he said, for the guy that's got every present or has got everything in the world, he brought out a long box, thin box. He says, there's the cue that you put, <laughs> that you put in the rack at half time. So, so it was quite How funny. did he cope with stuff like that when he was the butt of the joke? They used to play a lot of tricks on him because he had a favourite Adidas bag that he would have had when he was under 17s and they'd hide it on him or put crackers in it and it'd blow up. And, Very brave. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they'd call him all different names. And, but he'd take it really well. He'd take did, it really well. Did he ever sook it? Oh, he go very quiet at times. What about the day that he didn't play as well as he thought he did in a win? 97. We're playing Port Adelaide round one and Port Adelaide over in Adelaide. And we had a good win, one, eight points or something. Peter Volandia kicked six or seven goals. Tony kicked four goals, four at Footy Park. He came down the back and the players come up the race and they're just about to go to the um, circle to sing the song. And I see Tony look forlorn and he's like this. I said, well done, you're well played. He said, oh, no, I should have played better. Um... No, I only kick four. Kick four, four and go four away. He said, oh, I always beat the player that I play on. I didn't play well. And I said, oh, that's a trouble with you. Nothing but a bloody selfish so-and-so. And I went, oh, <laughs> that's what I shouldn't have said. You like went to it. yourself. <laughs> yeah. And like all brave wingmen, I backed out and <laughs> went out the other side. So Tony's... And I said, anyway, so on the Monday, I said, come here, mate, we'll have a chat. He said, I'm not bloody selfish, all right? And I said, I oh, know you're not. Patted him on the back, had a smile. So we had a chat and he said... He said, I put expectation on myself to kick eight every week and be best on ground. And I said, it's not about that. I said, I said if you can help contribute to a win, he said, yeah, that's fine. And no, then he took it really... Then he said, sternly, but I'm not bloody selfish, all right. When you did critique him like that, was that spontaneous or did you plan that? No, no, that was spontaneous. Mm. That, that, that was my response to him. And uh, I just thought he needed a, a cattle prod and it did wake him up. But maybe. When you heard the words coming out of your mouth, did you say, who's saying this rubbish? <laughs> I looked around and said, someone got their hand up my back. You coached at your best at the Bulldogs. I think I did too. 
Yeah. I think, I think um, over a period of time we're prepared to change things along the way and uh, I think the relationships with the players, um, I changed as a coach as well. I, I, I changed to suit what the group needed. Uh, even when I went there, um, it's interesting you go as a coach and you've got your own imprimatur you want to imprint and you've got your own game plan. Because in Sydney I was quite defensive coach. We flooded and so I went with that idea and then I found after the first couple of sessions and I did a, an exercise and I found out there was so much lack of confidence and self-belief and how are we going to do that? So we changed the game plan. So I found out that they had a lot more skill and I thought I didn't know a lot about them. There's five players that played 200 games but there was a big gap to mm. 50 and 60. And, um, and we did the speed testing. They were very quick. When I was at Hawthorne, there was three or four who did three seconds or less for 20. At Sydney, there were seven. There was 24 of them. 24 who could do what? Three seconds or less for 20, for 20 metres. Wow. Okay. So I thought, they're quick. Yep. They've got a bit more skill. Let's, let's change it to back their strengths. Let's, it'll cost us goals and games. And we missed the finals by half a game. And um, I think we took the average number of bounces before last, the previous year was about five. We took it to 40-odd. Uh, per game, so we just took the game on. There was mistakes, um, and that was the trick, I suppose, as a coach, not to, not to jump on the mistakes. Because did of, you? Did no, you ju- no, no, because no, I kept on going. No. I want to ask you about relationships with two players at the Bulldogs, Will Minson, who you dubbed the dumbest smart person in football, yeah, and Brian Lake, who you seem to have a running duel with. Um, yeah, both good relationships. I still keep in touch with Will. Will texted me the other week, actually. Uh, and said what? With an article you read in the uh, in some some paper about the uh, dumb decisions. That what about that one, Rocket? Does that ring a bell? That's the one. He, <laughs> that's the one that Will sent me. Yeah. He, he said, "Where was this article ten years ago?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so so I kept in in touch with Will. Will was a terrific person. Um, it was great to see him get all Australian. Um, he did work hard, uh, but and, and I had some had some discussion about. It. He said, "I'm not that smart, okay." And I said, "Yeah, but you're smart enough to know that you don't give silly free kicks away, mm. or you don't." This, that's what I'm saying. He said, yeah, "Yeah, okay, take your point." So we just talked that through. No, he was fine. Brian, Brian Lake. Brian and I got on really well. Brian, I was actually talking to a, I've spoken to a couple, but I spoke to a Hawthorne Premiership player of today era who played with Brian, and I. I spoke to some stories. He said, oh, yeah. He said, Brian was the same. Brian was the same in team meetings. Clark, I'll be going this. And Brian go, uh, no, I don't reckon we should do that. I reckon... And then everyone started laughing. And, but that's what Brian was like. But, but Brian, is, is that, wouldn't you... Wouldn't a coach welcome some feedback from a senior player? Where it led to that Brian wouldn't do what he's told. Wouldn't he? No. And this guy at Hawthorne say that Clarko wanted him to punch the ball, but Brian would just keep marking it. Yeah. And that's fine. He was a good mark. There was only a couple of things that I spoke, I'd only get frustrated with Brian was. One, he'd let his man lead him up the ground. In those days, it was a bit more one-on-one rather than the team defence. And Brian didn't want to work hard. Brian wanted to play in the cage. And he, he's probably the best I've seen. Probably the best I've seen in that... Confined area. When that 20-metre range, yep. um, marked the ball. And he wasn't the tallest but his ability to body and judge the fly of the ball and catch it was as good as I've seen. And he wasn't the greatest kick, but he wanted to kick off one step consistently. Mm. I said, don't do that. Just just change your, uh, change pace, kick it longer. That's OK. We're happy with that. Oh, yeah, OK. It's interesting, though. Every time I gave him a cattle prod, he responded and played well. Mm. Every time. He was all Australian. He was best and fairest. He played some really... What Brian's issue was, he would get comfortable. 
How personal did you get with him? No, not really. Not real. Not personal. It was just because you have a sharp tongue, Rocker. I do, apparently, Michael. Mm. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. I'd have conversations with him. It wasn't just in a team meeting or a, at a break. Would you embarrass him in a team meeting? Um, in those days, you, you, you would point out players about where they needed to get better. So I don't see that giving them a cook or a bake. It's to say, Michael, we need you to be stronger in your tackling. Then go on to the next bloke. So that's the sort of thing you'd say to Brian. But it was very funny. I loved, loved his humour. There was a story in Tassie. We're, we're playing Hawthorne in 2008, uh, two top teams. And we're in, f- as I said about his kicking, and so that was all. And he wanted to kick on the left foot. And he, he had a bit of leer in him. And, that was, and we're about up by about three goals at three-quarter time. So it was a fairly anxious big game. So I go to three-quarter time. And I've, I'm just talking to a couple of players, and he's tapped me on the shoulder. I'm like, he said, did you see that left foot kick before? It was a bloody good kick, wasn't it? <laughs> I said, Nick off, Brian, will you leave? I just started laughing. I, couldn't, I wasn't going to cook it. Was just, it was just funny. That was Brian. He was just in his own world. Did he get the right ear? He got the correct ear. He, got yeah. on, he did, actually. He got on my yeah. left ear. Now, now what, ha- what happened to... You've got, you're profoundly deaf in one ear. Yep. Is, is that a football injury? I think it is. Um, I got knocked out in a game in Hobart Senior Footy when I was 17. Got hit by a bloke from behind and my right ear and I noticed a couple of weeks later that I couldn't comprehend on my right side. So in the old days you used to have the old phones and I'd go home and I'd pick up a dial tone and I couldn't really hear it. Got it checked, I was 50% all the, deaf all the way down the drum. Um, it was a constant uh, talk of fun and jocularity at Hawthorne. Uh, Kelvin Moore used to say when I was playing halfback, he said, that's why you won handball, I'm running to the wrong side. And <laughs> so like, that was fine. And it was in Sydney in 2000. I went and got checked at the um, St Vincent's. I thought, you know, I'm sick of it. Uh, have, hopefully get something done. And the uh, specialist said I was 100% deaf all the way down. There's nothing we can do about it. Wow. Was it a mistake to go to the Gold Coast? If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have gone. Uh, it, was, it was really at the end of it, and even toward in the halfway through my last year that I went to a board meeting and got a lot of positive feedback about changing the culture. But, uh, now, it's still had a lot of work to go. They need to get resilience and whatever, but just to become more professional and how to train and how to go about their footy. Why did you go? It was a young group and you think perhaps you can have an impact. Um, and I think it was, it was more that than anything else. You didn't see it as a hopeless task? Not at all. Not, not initially, no. 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 no, I thought on paper it's always, always dangerous with paper about the talent that was <laughs> yeah, there. But, yeah, uh, yeah but uh, yeah, it, was a, it was a fairly big... What was, how did you cope with, with young Gaz? Yeah, he was good gas. Like, he, he was terrific. He, unfortunately, had hurt his shoulder the year before, so that probably diluted his... Because his form up to that stage was better than probably at Geelong. Uh, better? Oh, well, I, I, from an outsider's point of view, he was, he was carrying the team by himself. Such a young side. And when you're Brownlow, up to that stage, I, I thought he's... I, I was really, really, I suppose, highly respected what he was able to do when he was at the Gold Coast at that stage. Then he had the shoulder, which froze over the summer, so it took him a bit longer to get back. But, he, look, he was very professional, um, played some really good football. Uh, I think the standards he'd set previously, people judged him on that, and he was coming back from the shoulder. So he'd have played that level, and, he'd, you know, you'd drop away for a couple of weeks and he'd come back. But he, he was fine. He, was, he certainly had high footy IQ and he had some good ideas. You've seen a heap of good players over 40-odd years. Where does Gaz rate? I've always said that Lee's the best that I've seen in my yeah. 40 years. Wayne Carey second and Gary Senior third. Yep. Gary Senior is the most talented player I've seen. He's a player with the most talent of 
anyone by far. Not by far, but he, he is. He could do everything. At his best, the only one that could beat him was himself. Mm. I mean, just air, strength, speed, agility, long kicking both feet. There was there was nothing he couldn't do. You saw him at Hawthorne, didn't you? I played with him. Yeah, yeah, I played with with Gary. At, did you have any idea, any inkling that this bloke would become the player that he did? I'm talking about Gary Senior here. Oh, I I I used to get to the earlier to the seconds to watch him play. Just to watch him play. Oh, I thought. Some of the stuff he did as a kid. Like, he was a skinny kid. He At Princess Park one day, you know, the old Hawthorne stand and there was a mm. dugout. And we're, on that wing, he was playing on the wing. It was a wet day. It was, you know, it was a hard ground, but it was, it'd been raining. It was slippery. He picked a ball up on the, on the centre square line on the wing and kicked a left foot tilt that bounced in the goal square and went through. Like, it was unbelievable what he could do. And I used to... He, he used to do a training, but he never trained very much. He didn't mm. like coming to training. But I remember one night, Jeansy... Split the sec- seniors and the seconds, and he was in the twos. And it was one on one marking. One on one. He's only a seven and eight, yeah. eighteen year old kid. And he outmarked everyone, so they put him in the ones. And he outmarked everyone in the yeah. ones. Like he's just, he was, yeah. I, I always thought it was uh, it was going to be an attitude thing, whether whether he got to the level that he did. But you know, everyone knows he's not the greatest trainer, and the Geelong people talk about that. But it, is it scary? How how I suppose how good he could have been if he'd. Um, if he'd been able to train a bit harder. You know I love this stuff, about yeah, who's yeah, better just... and lists and all that. Um, you played with Dunstall and uh, you coached Lockett. Lockett. Yes, I know this is always a debate, isn't it? Yeah. Um, who, who would I pick? Yeah. You'd love to be able to pick both. Um, and I think they did it well in that state game when they picked both and Tony was full forward and yep. Jason, because I think Jason's a bit more adaptable to be able to play a different role. Um, who would I pick? Uh, at their best, I'd probably pick Tony. Mm, Jace won't like that. No, no, that. That's probably why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Your original coach at Hawthorne, was it, was it John Kennedy? I was very fortunate. I had John only for one year. Yeah. And David Parkin, who was fantastic for five, I think, and then Jeansy. Everyone's got a John Kennedy story, Rocket. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with John that he's the, just paint a picture, he's the, he's, he's the white-collar worker, like he was... Uh, he was principal of school, head of the teachers' tribunal, mm. board of Telstra, led the commission. Very intelligent man. Used to quote Karl Marx and Shakespeare before mm. games. To imagine doing that to footballers. <laughs> and, but he was a real blue singlet coach. Like it was tough training. It was one on one. Sometimes even without the ball, it was just yeah, just head in, head on head, and it was really tough, especially a skinny kid coming from Tassie. But there's one day I remember always. It, it, it's unbelievable. It, um, and I was still playing the seconds in the state. The, the seniors were on top of the ladder for a while and they'd lost two or three in a row. So we turned up for Sunday morning training, which had the fish, the local fishmonger, uh, Frankie Ribeira, would come and cook the fish and he'd have milkshakes and all this. Anyway, everyone out on the track. I'm trying to put his voice on a bit. Anyone out on the track, we've got to run laps. So blokes with crutches and some guys are just hobbling around and we're running, running around that track. And, of course, the fitter blokes start to put a gap on the rest. Uh, anyway, this dog joins in. This dog's running around the oval. And John's on the Linda Crescent, if you know the Glenfrey Oval, yep. standing up. And you've got this great booming voice. You can hear him over the red rattlers that are, or the trains that go by. And uh, anyway, the front group stop on the far wing. What are you blokes doing? Oh, John, the dog's died. Dogs. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Get a new dog. Keep on running. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's just typical, John. It is typical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Rocket, it's a massive contribution you've made to football, both on and off the field. And I think it's a nice reminder about just how good you were as a player, and I know how innovative you were as a coach. So well done on what you've done, and good luck with Baldwin this year. Thanks, Michael.